So Jason, we just saw an empty lot that's waiting to get printed on. We saw an active print. We saw a finished print. We saw the roof going on. What's the next stage from here? So now we're just really in like full operation mode. Uh, we're Lenar, so we're going ahead of us and uh, pouring flaps. And then we show up with the printers. We mount the rails. The printer stands up. We start printing. And then we remove the printer. And then they come on and we finish up. So now we're just chasing each other around the lot, right? So we're chasing their we're chasing their flaps. They're chasing our finished prints. Trying to get this done as fast as we can. So there's no plumbing or electrical installed in Southside, right? Uh, there is some plumbing rough out and electrical often in the foundations itself, a very floor plan by floor plan. Um, before the print. Uh, before the print, yeah. And then when will that start on this print? Will they do the roof first? Or? Um, they typically come in and do the roof first, and once they've got the full enclosure done, then they'll come in with all the enclosures. Is there a waiting period uh, for the concrete to cure? Um, we typically like it to, to wait at least a week. Um, it's technically strong enough sooner than that. We like we like it. What are the big inspections uh, that are not typical to the construction process that change for the printing process? You know, I don't think the, the inspections themselves are special. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's the sort of on the on the spreadsheet. The same inspection has to happen. The first time an inspector sees a 3D printed house, they often will sort of pause and take a minute, but, but in terms of like structural inspections, electrical inspections, plumbing inspections, it's very similar to the traditional process. Yeah, so do you have any estimate when this home or sending it might be complete? I don't know what the schedule is on this one. Those timelines are often they're always controlled by Lenar. Uh, when I have visibility and it's in the icon schedule. How has the time to print completion changed from your first home on this project to now? Yeah, so our very first house, uh, we went very slow. We just like make sure everything was exactly right. We had Lenar out several times to check on print quality, make sure they liked what they were seeing. Um, and then we brought the second printer out and the third. So we sort of scaled up um, deliberately and carefully. Uh, but now we're on sort of uh, batch two and a half. And so we're really starting to find our stride. And so those first houses, uh, we're completed on the order of like three to four weeks each, uh, and now we're sort of targeting like two to three weeks per house. Uh, weather cooperating, yeah, for printing. Uh, and then we're also in negotiations to see about printing 24 hours a day. It's our actual favorite way to print. That we all can get to do the DOD is printing 24 hours a day because, you know, robots don't need uh, bathroom breaks and things like that. Sure. But it's best, almost like an airplane, like once you hit cruising altitude, rather just keep flying because it really is the like the, the, the take off the landing to take up uh, all the time and actually add most of the risk to the print. So once we're printing, we like to run as long as we can. Isn't there some kind of scheduled cleaning process during a 24 hour print? There, there, there is uh, often like maintenance, but you can you can do it either at shift change to be quick about it uh, or um, you can sort of clean certain parts without shutting down the whole So the big things are, um, for us, in terms of what's next for Icon, is like squeezing as much out of the credit automation as we can, and so we're, we're certainly looking at, uh, and I think you'll see it starting to print foundations and restructures, uh, like 12 to 18 months, which is just like taking the 3D printing itself even further. The next thing to automate would be all the uh, auxiliary activities that are uh, inherent to 3D printing, like the reinforcement, uh, misting of the concrete, things like that, or something like very easy and right for uh, automating and the structure turns your way. And then the sort of, uh, the other big bucket of things to automate are like um, process automations that largely happen through software, not through automation. So 
those are underway as well, and a lot of those will start delivering up to job sites. I saw on your work site you have two enormous TV screens with insane data from all the projects. You can actively see which printers are printing, calls, moving. Yeah, uh, we have we have we have an, 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 a pretty incredible amount of sensors on both the Magma and the Vulcan already. We actually are going to like double or triple the sensor load on the machines themselves in the coming year, and then we're capturing all that data in real time for every year. Uh, not zero, we'll print the printers we've got over on the Gulf Coast right now, printers we've got in Texas. always prints fine, or that machine is always buggy no matter which crew we print on, or that crew, no matter where you print put them, the, the machines that that crew is on always print better. And so you can start seeing like where the human element interfaces with the robotic or the software elements, and it allows us to just get better and better all the time. You have all kinds of different designs here, and I imagine you have lots of designs you're even working on creating like a huge catalog potentially. Correct. What does the printed house selection process look like in the future? Do people get involved in that? Is there just an overwhelming amount? Like, is AI involved? Yeah, I think we'll have a lot more to say about this in the future. But your 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 intuitions are correct. Dancing They're, around it. You're 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 stepping on it. And, uh, it certainly once once your building material is fluid, it opens up all kind of interesting architectural options. And once your approach to construction is digital, um, right, when building is fluid and architecture is digital, it really opens up some interesting opportunities, especially to like reproduce the designs uh, quickly and affordably to modify those designs quickly and affordably and then once you can establish some patterns you can you can start generating designs. so those those, uh, those efforts are certainly underway and I think uh, it was just five years ago that we printed our first home and so you can imagine like where the internet or airplanes were at year five I think uh, the future of robotic construction you know, is really bright and it's a, a lot of the most exciting innovations are yet to yeah, I agree with that for sure. And seeing projects like this, it definitely makes a lot of the things you said last time we talked true. Yeah, so yeah. I look forward to the next time we get to see yeah. even more growth. Uh, so the technology design is great. Right now, most of your buildings are vertical. You're not doing any concave or convex features. Is that uh, uh, for any reason? We are not doing that on customer projects yet. Uh, back at the lab, uh, we're running some like very exciting and very aggressive experiments in terms of architectural possibilities, both for the wall systems and roof structures. Uh, and I think you'll see those start to ship commercially uh, on the job sites uh, in the coming year. I don't think actually I know. In fact, uh, probably our most daring uh, architectural uh, in terms of like challenge of print, uh, some of the radicalness of the architecture, uh, will be unveiling South by South this year. Nice. So the permitting and the insurance, uh, all those challenges, I heard some groups, they got one home printed, but because it was only one in the area, they had no comps, and that yeah. made it really challenging for them. That's interesting. Um, I think we haven't had quite that challenge, and I think it's maybe we anticipated some of this. So I, I bet those groups will get there. Um, you started with six of all those divisions. Yeah, and, and well, even with the Chicago House, I just, I think, uh, I've had a lot of experience with building and remodeling in my group before uh, even this company. I think we were just able to anticipate those things a little bit better. I, I've been on the 
surprise them with the house, and they didn't see coming, then of course. Uh, but we've been in conversation with like regulatory authorities, permitting authorities, uh, mortgage makers, insurers, um, almost from the day our company was started. And so we were able to just get ahead of it a little bit. But I, I think ultimately, um, if you take the long view, um, these homes that we're in right now, I think they exceed building code structurally by 350%. And they exceed energy code by 250 percent, and so uh, I don't worry about these sort of performing as well uh, as conventional homes at all. And so I think uh, once there is a large enough body of knowledge, uh, in the long run, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. What does ICON need the most at this stage right now to grow? I mean, you guys have the capital, you have a great team. Yeah, and so right now we, we haven't stepped on like the hyper growth. I mean, although I think we grew 400 percent last year, I think we grew 400 percent again this year. Right now, we get 
the whole machine, the whole machine of an icon has to work. Um, I mean, one way to think about what's going on is like, if printers are like little bitty house factories that just sort of move to the spot and like manufacture the house, this is like a giant ghost factory that like appears, delivers the neighborhood, and then like moves on. So this has to run. Um, I'm sure, you know, like that that metaphor, uh, the sort of things that are true for any factory are true uh, once you're running a sleeper printer out of a job site. Are you guys? Uh, is your relationship with Lenar very tight? Are you looking for other home builders? We, our, I would say our relationship with Lenar is like very special. They're, to my experience, so far just the most innovative, progressive, uh, quality-oriented, people-oriented production builder that we've come across yet. And so they have, they've just been like, they're, they're sort of open-handed, open-hearted, open-book approach. So like, they've shown us their books. Here's where, here's where we make money. Here's what you have to be if you want to keep working with us. They help us work out architectural details. They've helped us negotiate better prices for our material suppliers. They've just been like a huge um, fan and advocate support completely, completely. And, and of course, just the sort of like larger validation that like if you can do this with Lenar, we're sort of the best in the business, then you can probably do it with anybody. Uh, and as a young, you know, we were only three and a half years old, we started talking about Lenar. And when, when, when the best in the business take a bet on you like that, the young company is just invaluable. Yeah, I saw news recently. They announced a hundred home project with Musk. Uh, you guys have anything to do with that? They, I mean, I think Lenar builds like a sixty thousand on the order, like yeah, sixty thousand homes a year. And so uh, we don't comment on our future projects, and we certainly don't comment on the future projects of our partners. Well, I'll keep a close eye out for that. Yeah. But it seems like Lenar definitely has a forward-looking focus. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. They're they are. I mean, I think maybe a lot of entrepreneurs have heard the phrase you should be like disrupting yourself. And they're one of the, the first like large well established companies I've ever met that like is actually taking that very seriously at the highest levels. Um, they are always actively trying to disrupt themselves. Uh, and it's like very, very impressive. And so uh, I'm long on the Yeah, it's interesting. They're one of the higher end uh, scale home builders. And they, uh, I haven't seen any other like super high tech projects like this. Yeah, I mean, I think they were. I mean, I think they were playing around with smart home stuff like back in the 1980s. I mean, so this isn't like a new thing where they start trying uh, new approaches, new methods, new materials. Um, they've been like always trying to like look for ways to improve on, on what they do, and I think over the long haul, that's a, that's paid out. That's a, that's why they're as successful as they are. How has the startup environment changed over the past six months with the macro economy? It, 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 Sorry for the tough question. No, it, it, is, a, it is a huge change. Um, for the first four years of our company, like like a lot of venture back startups, we would, we would like hit a set of milestones and then you would raise money or whatever. Um, but all the way through the history of our company, we would, we, would, we would have a successful fundraising and then we would map out with our board, with our investors, with our management team, what the next set of milestones we wanted to take were. And then every time we had people approaching us offering the next round of funding before we could even achieve the milestones. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and we would often say, hey, we're not raising yet. We want to get next done. And the conversation was often like, it looks like you're on the right track. So, like, we, 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 we believe now, so let's go. And so we did. We, we every step of the way raised money about a year sooner than we anticipated so far. Um, Great. And right, but it is great. And so um, we have a really healthy balance sheet right now. And but the way that we're talking about it, thinking about it, it's like it needs to last, last effectively and definitely. Um, we are not counting on that same effect happening again. And so we are taking calls very seriously. We are 
uh, focusing on projects that we know that we can deliver profitably. And so some of the more eccentric things that we've been invited to do, we've definitely been invited to the Caribbean, we've been invited to the Middle East, we've been invited to Africa, we've been invited to India. And I think we'll get to all of those places. Uh, but of course, when you're like a local small company, uh, those are like lower margin projects. And so the way that's shifted for us is we've been focusing on uh, more domestic uh, and more close projects. Plus the home are like margins and efficiencies are better so that we can survive. Because uh, ultimately we're trying to build a hundred year Right? And so like this won't be the first recession or like economic challenge we'll have to survive as a company. And I think learning these lessons early in our lives, uh, rather than 10 years from now, uh, ultimately the service really, really well. In your deal with Lennar, uh, are you, what kind of risk are you assuming? What do you mean? In these homes? Oh yeah, so we have a fixed price contract on these homes. Um, and the fixed price is... Uh, one penny cheaper than Lennar pays for these wall systems on the open market. Sure. And then it's on us to, like, so we assume the risk of delivering what we say we're going Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tremendous learning experience. You've already learned so much from it. Is there any chance you might turn a profit? Yeah, the, I think, yeah, there is. We don't like to disclose our numbers, but what I'll say is, like, every project we have booked from now, every single project we have booked right now is a profitable project. Wow. And your walls are one cent cheaper than the Lennar. Uh, that's the contract we signed. Yeah. It's on us to see how much how, how we can do. So hopefully you uh, you assume that means a decent amount of risk for the project. Yeah. You you're gonna deliver what you said at the fixed price. A fixed price contract is super rare these days because construction costs are so unpredictable. But it's an early stage company. It, like, it, like his eyes wide open. It helps you focus on the challenges you have to solve. It's like, hey guys, if we can print faster and more affordable. Then we can no asterisk look anyone in the face and say we're the fastest cheapest way of building in the world, and that really is the goal here. And that's the kind of like step function change. And if we can do that, even in like a very early stage of the technology, it makes us feel like super bright for robotic construction. So we wanted that challenge sooner rather than later. Uh, you sort of see, like I mean, even public companies did this sort of like a uh, uh, adjusted gross profit dollars or whatever. And it's like a, uh, you really want this to work with no. Adjusted. You want it to just work. You want it to be fast, profitable, more affordable than what's available in the open market. And then what we think is really, that I always have to make sure we don't leave out, is like, you're not just getting an apples for apples. Like, as I said, like, our wall systems are far stronger, far more energy efficient, with far more architectural possibility. And so when you can deliver a, be a better product, not a light product, a better product, yeah. faster and cheaper. Um, at that point, I think we can grow as fast as we want to. And what's the savings from the first home compared to the last home, let's say in like, I guess dollars, how much more efficient with the last one? Yeah, a lot, of that we'll have to see, a, lot, a lot of that we'll have to see in analysis, right? I mean, like, as I said, we You'll actually, we, we know per printer, per job site, whether that day was profitable. Actually, we, we can actually look and find out whether the last hour was profitable if well, we want to. Like, so we really can intervene in real time. It's like, hey, why is that house on track? And we can intervene in real time. Um, the, the, the big needle moving things on costs that are happening uh, as we, between the start phase of this project one, is like bring our own batch plant online, uh, which has cut the cost of our own materials in about half. Uh, and we have several old more automations that are going to be delivering. One set of automations that will deliver in June and another set that will deliver in September. This should move two to three FTEs off uh, each print site. Uh, so like, cut your materials cost in half and you can remove more than half the labor. Uh, I think we lack where we're headed from a cost perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, the robots are doing the heavy lifting basically right now, tons and tons of concrete. Um, so the... Our, our goal is to have less than one human being doing mostly intellectual work. Correct. So, like, the, the, the real, the goal here is, like, one person per five to ten friends. Wow. Right, that would be, like, that would be, then you really automate it. Yeah, and I guess that's really... Right now, the robot and human sort of collaborating right on this lab, as you see. Um, but eventually, it should be less than a human per... That's where a big chunk of the savings is, getting down from a few people operating to a couple of the one. You got it. Which is why it's like, hey, if, if we are faster and cheaper today at this state of the technology, things that we can see coming in the next 18 to 24 months um, are important. I imagine the faster, cheaper hours are kind of like optimal... Everything's going great. You got correct, a speed correct. going. Yeah, because again, they give you, if you have uh, a printer standing around and you only kept half the beads that day, you're only printing half the time, but still bear the full cost. Um, but you got messes up. But you didn't, yep, you got messes up, but we, but we know where the errors come from now. Uh, so we can say, hey, we didn't train that properly. We can intervene and, and hopefully the mistake doesn't happen a second time. That data is so valuable. It's unbelievable. It's so much different from a lot of teams. They're just getting that experience in person, so they that data point only exists in their mind. They go to a different company, that data point's gone, but you have all that stuff in the boundary. Yeah, it's incredible. And so, I still don't really. I guess what you need most right now to grow is just keep moving, keep building. Yeah, we need to now operate with like so. Like on paper, we are the fastest team in the world. Now we need to operate, operationalize that with like high level. Right, so like right now, when we are not the fastest team, it's usually it's our own fault in some way. It's a failure of the technology to solve the material science of the human design. So it's now like getting very good at like operational execution. Uh, and that's, again, it's pretty easy on one printer. It's different on a job site uh, with seven and soon to be even more printers, especially when you're working around other people. reality to meet that paper. That's right, yeah, the map is not the territory. You have a spreadsheet say everything should happen this way. Um, sometimes you get out there and the territory is a little different and you adapt and you improve or it's like there's, there's things that happen that you hadn't thought about before that you have to develop either technology or process uh, solutions for. Um, but we're getting more and more of that every day. And so uh, every house we've ever printed in the history of the company has been more beautiful than the one before it. It's been faster than the one before it. It's been more affordable than the one before it. And so, uh, yeah, and I think uh, life would be so interesting if everything was super predictable. So <laughs> yeah, that's know. right. And then also just to say, like, you've been following us for a while, and you see, like, our, our default is always been to try to build for customers and to get out of the lab as much like, because there's just no place where the learning are as honest or as meaningful as you're doing something for a thing customer out the room. You know what I haven't seen yet today is a practical. Yeah, no, 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 you better not. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't allow it. We're against the rules. Yeah, it's pretty... Other people have cracks in their I mean, concrete cracks is the law, right? Eventually? Maybe not. Yeah, sounds like an excuse. Well, this is mortar, not concrete, right? Yeah, it's somewhere on the spectrum. Right? Like, uh, I, th I think those things... Like, I kept trying to figure out what it was called, too. I think before 3D printing, nobody had ever forced them to define, be defined, very accurately. That's what it was like. You had like fine grain precision stuff over here, and like coarse grain concrete structure, and never, and they never sort of cross paths. And so 3D printing sort of exists 
Um, 
those kinds of things. The actual core infrastructure, the roadways, the walls, the roof structures, the pressure vessels, the, the berms, the uh, landing launch pads. Uh, you ought to be able to do all of that robotically with 100%. Uh, yeah, from a distance. And so I guess you're trying to implement some of those things on this site to prepare for potentially? You know, we, we haven't, uh, we certainly have a lot of like software sharing, material science, understanding sharing, and, and definitely some robotic subsystem sharing that happened between our commercial residential projects and our NASA projects. We haven't yet gone so far as to like uh, use the same lunar process on a home here on Earth, but it, it's certainly possible. Uh, it, it's possible as like a, a matter of fact. Um, the lunar printer goes slower and it would be more expensive than printing concrete. Um, and so, but if you just wanted to do it, you find a printer you could do it. Um, you could, and actually, I'm pretty sure that it will. But I, I wouldn't say that like uh, laser and microwave censoring uh, with ISRD materials, I don't see a short term. Like we don't ask for like foundation crews to bring out any extra equipment than they normally do. They don't sort of follow a special different process. We just ask them to like take great care of the processes that they do follow. If that makes sense, because we know we can't scale this company if we expect like a special exotic slabs everywhere we go. So we just said, hey, you can do it the way you normally do it. Just, just please do it well. Um, so, so far, so good out here. It really makes that first layer easier for you. It makes it a tremendous amount of you, uh, easier. Uh, and then the other reason it's important is like uh, at the edge of our slabs we have a downslope to help with the water drainage that you and I talked about earlier. And if that's not if that's not done steep enough, um, the, wa the walls won't drain well enough. And if it's done too steep, the the first layer can't grab onto the slab uh, structurally. And so it really is important that those details are done correctly. Um, they do them with the normal tools or whatever, but with, but like uh, how accurately they're done matters a lot to us. Nice and. So you have a big unveiling coming up for South by Southwest. We do. Uh, will this project extend to 2024, the 100 ohm project? Um, the construction won't, no. Um, you know, it's anyone's guess right now how fast we'll sell and things like that, mm -hmm. um, but we'll be out here. Yeah, that's a lot of printers to have, so they'll be, I'm sure, shipped somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, won't, they won't be sitting around the barn. Do you... Uh, Nobody has a printed headquarters yet, from what I've seen. There's a couple of facades around. Yeah, we, and we don't have plans for that because, it, again, so like we're, we, all, we, we try to keep our printers booked and busy, and we would have to pull a printer out of active service, so to speak, to do something for ourselves. And so far, that hasn't, uh, hasn't made sense. You mentioned the House Zero project was kind of an experimental thing you were doing for yourselves. And is there, you mentioned that it was like a line of houses, but is that back shelf for now that you have more? No, I, I think there's more of that coming. So I, I still continue to believe and say out loud to anyone who will listen. Uh, 3D printed houses want to be different. <clears throat> the metaphor I use a lot, and maybe I've already used it, so apologies if I have, is like we used to have wooden bridges, and and then eventually we learned to build bridges out of steel. And when we did that, we didn't just make steel bridges, carbon copies of wood bridges, steel, and it was entirely new ways of designing and building bridges. 3D printing does the same thing, and for a long time, 
understandably so, people would sort of point at house names and say, could you print that house for me? But what I, what I, what I really think, uh, it's as exciting as the robots themselves as the new architectural possibilities, that if you design houses to play to the strengths of uh, 3D printing, you get further speed and cost savings, and you get some pretty like courageously divergent architecture as well, that I, I think is like very, very exciting. Because right now, I mean, like we're doing this with Lennar, but like, Lennar is very good at this, right? They're very efficient, they're very fast. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, we definitely want to go faster, more affordably than Lenargo does, but I, I wouldn't say that the goal is just to like reproduce this world faster and cheaper. I think 3D printing makes entirely new things possible, and I think those things are like more exciting than the way that we put it down. So um, we are going to continue to push the boundaries. We invest as much in architecture as we invest in robotics and material science to give you a sense of like how much we're serious about this, and some of those. By the time the, the executives of Lenar saw House Zero, this project was already planned and Wow. Um, and so, uh, as always, with Lenar, I kind of think are like our most exciting works in terms of. Yeah, hopefully it stays that way for you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That way I can keep making videos. Hanging in deep. We'll try to give you something good to see every time we come. Looking forward to that. And, uh, so, are you on site every single day? No, I'm not. Um, Typically, out here on like Mondays and Thursdays, <clears throat> we have other job sites, we have other customers. I, ha I have, I try to spend a couple days a week on product and engineering. Um, so one day a week on business, I'm just like finance, yeah. development, sales. And so um, I wish I could be out in the field every day, but certainly like the most romantic uh, thing happening in the company usually. Um, but uh, the demands of this the CEO are diverse. So last time we talked, you said you guys don't really get out of bed for 100, less than 100 homes. Uh, is that number changing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that was probably hyperbole, but yeah, I don't, none of the projects we're signing up right now are less than that. So I guess I'm in it. Um, if, if something very interesting happened with like a, a smaller unit, or a smaller unit kind of town came along, we would certainly take a look. Sure. We'll, we'll look at anything. Um, but the questions we ask ourselves when opportunities come to us is like, uh, is it good for the world? Uh, is it good for the business? And is it feasible? Uh, and so if we, if we can, if it's all three of those things, um, then we usually say yes. And fortunately, there's plenty of like uh, 100 plus unit projects that satisfy those requirements. Thousand homes by 2025. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like that. Cool. And uh, with that, I think. That was a pretty good thank you for the time. I really appreciate you showing me around today. Thank you, friend.